Hello and welcome to another edition of Todd Talks Bible. This engaging discipleship-based Bible study is sponsored by Church Discipleship Ministries. And our teacher is Todd Tolles, the founder and director of CDM. A career firefighter captain before entering the ministry, Todd founded Church Discipleship Ministries to equip and empower believers to fulfill your calling to be a spiritual warrior dedicated to fulfilling the Great Commission. Let's listen in now as Todd Talks Bible. The Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. Are you beginning to hear their hoofbeats? Let's talk about it coming up next. Hi, brothers and sisters. My name is Todd Tolles, and I'm the director of Church Discipleship Ministries. I want to welcome you to our discipleship channel, Todd Talks Bible. We are going to complete our discussion today on the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Now, as you know, the four horsemen are part of the seven seals, the scroll that Jesus is breaking each of the seven seals on it. And each of these seals represents the culmination of mankind's sin uh, coming to its evil conclusion in the history of man. And each of the first four seals, one, two, three, four, are all represented by a horse of a different color with a rider. And so that is why they're commonly called the four horsemen of the apocalypse. The word apocalypse, again, meaning revelation, to reveal what's going to happen in the future. Now, I've often wondered, why did the Holy Spirit show each of the first four seals as a horseman? Well, I think there's two reasons for that. Number one, I think it's some kind of way that the Holy Spirit's trying to show that these horsemen, these first four seals, are connected in a, a very close manner. Maybe uh, they are codependent. One can't be completely com you know, fulfilled until the other one is fulfilled. I don't know. Uh, but I do think they're connected in some way. Each one of these four seals is connected. And we'll talk about that connection a little bit later. The second reason I think that the four horsemen are portrayed here is to show that since they are on horses, that these events, these uh, judgments that are finally unleashed and allowed to run free are the results of man's sin against man. We've talked about that. But these four will be allowed to continue to roam the earth until they're all fulfilled, maybe all the way through the uh, initial seven seals fulfillment. So I think that's the second reason. that These are not one-time events. Once a rider hits and the seal is broken and that rider comes out, I think he will continue to ride and plague the world with the results of our evil sins. And always remember that these seven seals are not direct judgments from God. Again, these are the culmination of our wicked fruit, our rejection of God over the centuries. And this is the end result of that uh, rejection of God. And once Jesus refuses to restrain it any longer and he starts breaking the seals, then the restraint is removed and the culmination of our sin, the results of our sin is unleashed. So that's the four horsemen of the apocalypse, and we've talked about it in detail in session 14 with an overview 
of the whole scroll of the seven seals. And I've talked about the white horse, the first seal, in detail last session, session 15. And so let's just read these verses again and uh, touch on it just a little bit. Revelation 6, chapter, excuse me, Revelation chapter 6, starting in verse 1. As I watched, the lamb broke the first of the seven seals in the scroll. Then one of the four living beings called out with a voice that sounded like thunder. Come, I looked up and I saw a white horse. Its rider carried a bow and a crown was placed on his head. He rode out to win many battles and gain the victory. And again, we went over this in detail last session, session 15. And I know some of y'all are saying, man, that was almost an hour long. I don't have time for that. Please, brothers and sisters, make time for that session. I've been a Christian for 50 years now, and that's probably one of the most important teachings I've ever done. In fact, this whole book of Revelation is the culmination of what I think is some of the most important truths I think the body of Christ needs to come out and hear today. So uh, it's very important, but that one there is critical right now, especially with what's going on in our nation with the present election. So please take time to study that material. Get your Bible out, listen to that material, go over it. Because I, there's some things in there that will just shock you down your toenails, like I said. But it's important that you're aware of it. Now, as far as the white horse, there's one thing I did not mention last session, and I want to point out that he was wearing a crown. The rider of the white horse was wearing a crown. And this could foreshadow the rise of the Antichrist. Now, who's the Antichrist? Well, that's a name we give a world leader that rises up in the book of Revelation. And he's very uh, bad, <laughs> very evil. And we'll talk about him more later when we get to those chapters in the book of Revelation. So this may foreshadow the rise of the Antichrist. But even if it doesn't, even if this first seal is cracked and the rider, the first horseman comes out conquering, we've talked about it. This is the world government rising. It may not be in a Christian's lifetime that they see the Antichrist rise up. In fact, I think his true identity will be veiled. But we may see some indications. I don't know. But one thing's for sure, I believe that this first seal, the first horseman, will show that the rise of his world government is going forth. And we'll talk more and more about that because it plays out all through the book of Revelation, that world government. So the first horseman, the white horse, the first seal of the scroll is all the same thing. And it's talking about the rise of globalism, the one world government that plays out throughout the rest of the book of Revelation. So let's go on to the second seal, the red horse, which like I've already discussed with you, represents bloodshed. Let's read verses three and four of Revelation chapter six. When the lamb broke the second seal, I heard the second living being say, come. And another horse appeared, a red one. Its rider was given a mighty sword and the authority to remove peace from earth. And there was war and slaughter everywhere. Now this second horseman 
obviously involves a lot of bloodshed. We've talked about that. That's why it's represented by this red horse. And in fact, the original Greek talks about it being a fiery red horse. So uh, it could be a horse with flames that's colored red, or it could just be a real bright red horse. But the Greek has a fiery red is the words that it uses. Now this particular seal, this particular horseman, could be also in a fulfillment of a prophecy in Daniel. We touched on this prophecy last session. Daniel chapter 7, verse 23 through 27. We talked about the ten kings, and that's what the one world government will be. The rise of the ten king confederation. The ten kings that ruled together and divide the world up and ruled together as one government, one worldwide government. Well, in Daniel chapter 7, verse, starting in verse 23, it talks about a little bit of political intrigue and civil war that occurs in this worldwide government, the time of the Ten King Alliance. Listen to what Daniel says. Daniel writes, this is what he said. The fourth beast will be a fourth kingdom on the earth, different from all the other kingdoms. It will devour the whole earth, trample it down, and crush it. The ten horns are ten kings who will rise from this kingdom. Another different from the previous ones will rise after them and subdue three kings. Now let me explain what's going on. You remember last session we looked at that, that statue and it listed five kingdoms. And the fourth kingdom represented Rome by the two legs of iron. Well, this vision here is using, it's a second separate vision that Daniel had. And it's talking about the kingdoms again, but it's using an analogy of beasts in this vision. And the actual way it's written here, it talks about the fourth beast uh, being a fourth kingdom that has iron teeth, you know, and trampling it. So again, that iron is talking about Rome. And then in verse 24, it kind of makes a break, just like it did about the statue. It goes straight into this talking about a fifth kingdom. And the statue is represented by the ten toes. Here is represented by ten horns. Now, the way it transitions in both visions from uh, the Iron of Rome right into this future kingdom, I think indicates that somehow or another this ten-king alliance will be a representative form of government in some way. I don't know how, but it'll be kind of based on the Republic of Rome, maybe, the way they governed with an emperor and then several king uh, sub sub commanders underneath the emperor that ruled. I don't know exactly how it'll play out, but it's related, I think, to the historical Roman Empire and how it ruled. And it may just be because it is so tough and tough as iron like Rome, but it's connected somehow. But anyway, this fifth kingdom, verse 24, uh, comes out of the fourth kingdom. It's the fruit of this fourth kingdom. It's very similar to the fourth kingdom or the Roman empire historically. Verse 24 again. The ten horns are ten kings who will rise from this kingdom. Another different from the previous ones will rise after them and subdue three kings. Another what? Well, another king different from the other ten kings will arise and subdue three kings. So you have ten kings, then a eleventh king rises up and subdues three kings, okay? 
or three kings, okay? And those seven kings are left, plus the one that subdued them, leaves eight kings. So, ten, an eleventh one comes on the scene, wipes out three other kings, and that will leave eight. So, keep that in mind when we get later on in the book of Revelation. But let's talk more about this this eleventh king that arises subdues three, and this little civil war that happens during the alliance of the ten kings. He will speak words against the Most High and oppress the Holy Ones of the Most High. He will intend to change religious festivals and laws, and the Holy Ones will be handed over him, over to him for a time, times, and half a time. But the court will convene, and his dominion will be taken away to be completely destroyed forever. The kingdom, dominion, and greatness of the kingdoms under all of heaven will be given to the people, the holy ones of the Most High. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all rulers will serve and obey him. So this shows how this 11th king, seduced three, uh, starts running this kingdom, this worldwide government, but Christ eventually, this happens just like the statue showed us, happens right before Christ, the kingdom of Christ, is established on earth, and Christ crushes this kingdom, and all the kingdoms are given over to the holy people, his people, and we reign with Christ. So that's what this prophecy is saying. But I want to point out that this rise of this 11th king could, and obviously will, I think, involve some warfare. So it could be part of this second horseman, this bloodshed. The rise of the government is in the white horse, and it's done politically, and basically without a lot of bloodshed. But when the Antichrist comes on the scene and takes over three of those kingdoms, that might involve bloodshed, and that might be what it's referring to in part. But it's interesting. On this second seal, this second horseman of the apocalypse, I want to read a very little literal translation of the Greek. This is from the Holman Christian Standard Bible, the version of the Bible called the Holman Christian Standard Bible. And in Revelation 6-4, it gives a very good literal translation of this verse from the Greek. I want you to note that there is no indication of open warfare. Listen to what it says. Then another horse went out, a fiery red one, and its horseman was empowered to take peace from the earth so that people would slaughter one another. And a large sword was given to him. So you see, it's not necessarily talking about open warfare, like I said last session, and when we talked about it with the overview uh, in session 14. It could imply some warfare, obviously. It might be a little bit of warfare, like we talked about with that prophecy with Daniel. That might be a part of it. But the way it's written, to me, is a lot more horrifying than just open war. If you're my age, age 58, you have lived through 
a lot of war. Your parents lived through World War II and the Korean War. Uh, you were born and saw maybe some of your cousins, older cousins or brothers go to the Vietnam War. You've seen a Grenada. You've seen the Persian Gulf War, and then you've seen after 9-11 the war on terror in Iraq and Afghanistan. On and on and on, we've seen war. And let's be honest, because we are a wealthy country and we depend on brave, patriotic uh, men and women to go fight the wars for us, we tend to, to forget about the wars, don't we? Uh, I think we should be ashamed of that, but it's the truth, isn't it? As long as someone else is fighting it, it doesn't really affect us. And that's why I don't think this is necessarily talking about open war, because that would not really uh, discipline or show the results of our sins to the whole world like these seals are designed to do. No, I think it's very interesting. It says it's a fiery red horse that comes out, and its horseman is empowered to take peace away from the earth. There's lots of ways to take peace away from the earth. It has nothing to do with war. And that is what's horrifying. And it goes on to say that people would slaughter one another. So you see, I think what it's talking about is not an open warfare, but humans attacking humans with no restraint. Total unrestrained violence. Total anarchy, if you will. People preying on people for whatever reason, violence ruling with no rule of law. Now, could we be seeing some warning indications of this seal, of this horseman now? Could be. Uh, people always ask me, do you think the horsemen are, are riding? Do you hear the hoof boots, the hoof beats? I don't know any horses that wear boots, but the hoof beats do you hear them uh, now? Well, I got to be honest with you. I think we're close, but I'm not seeing the indications yet. But again, these are veiled prophecies. And because they are veiled, we won't know for sure when they're cracked until it's well into it. Uh, the only prophecy we know for sure is going to be the fourth seal. That is a prophetic sign. And we've talked about that in session 14. We're going to go over it again here shortly. But this second horseman, uh, even though I don't think that seal's been officially cracked yet, like I said last session, God, because he's a gracious God, always allows seeds of warning. The sin is rampant. It's already there. And, and Christ is restraining the sin, like we read about in 2 Thessalonians. He is restraining the sin. So when the seals are cracked, this sin is unleashed. And it just doesn't happen overnight. So this sin is around now. And I think we can be seeing warning signs of each of these horsemen and the sin that is unleashed uh, now. I really do. The closer you get to this time when the, the seals are officially cracked, I think you'll see more and more of these seeds, these bitter seeds beginning to sprout. And I take it as a warning sign that God graciously gives people who are looking for these so they can take care and take it as a warning. So what are some warning indications of the second seal? Well, let's look at our society. Look at the violence. And it's not just been in America. It's been going on for the last three years 
worldwide. Violence in all kinds of different places, uprisings, people preying on people, the rule of law being destroyed. And in America, most recently this year, we are seeing it, aren't we? We're finally experiencing it. And the riots, the burning down of the cities, all this, I think, is a sign that the rule of law is failing. And when that finally does happen, and that second seal is cracked, and the red horseman comes riding forth, you're going to see it exponentially get worse. You're going to see people preying on people, hunting them down, killing them for no reason, taking what they want with no restraint. You know, it's just like it says in Proverbs, without God, without God's law, the people will run unrestrained. In other words, without a vision of God, without the vision of his law and the fear of God, we will perish because we will be unrestrained. And I think we're beginning to see some of that now. It may not be the horseman. It may just be a warning sign. Only the future can tell. Let's go on. Seal number three, the black horse, famine. I'll read in uh Revelation chapter 6, starting in verse 5. When the Lamb broke the third seal, I heard the third living being say, Come. And I looked up and I saw a black horse, and its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. And a voice from among the four living beings said, A loaf of wheat bread or three loaves of barley for a day's pay. And don't waste the olive oil and wine. Now, brothers and sisters, this is obviously talking about a famine. Food is at a shortage. But like I said in session 14, when we looked at the big picture overview of this, this is different than any other famine that's recorded in the Bible. In the Old Testament, God made it clear in the book of Deuteronomy and elsewhere that sometimes that the people of Israel rebelled against him, he would withhold the rain so that their crops fail, and that would hurt their economy. And there were such famines throughout the time, even uh, in the days of Elijah. If you remember that story, uh, Elijah is the one that prayed and shut up the heavens from rain because that's what God said to judge Israel for the worship of Baal, which is basically worshiping the enemy, satanic worship, if you get right down to it. And so this has been historically uh, recorded throughout the Bible in the Old Testament. Uh, but this is different. There's no indication here in the language that this is caused from lack of rain. And again, these seals aren't judgments directly from God. It is more, and you really need to keep this in mind, uh, it is more of Christ who has restrained the results of our sin over the last thousands of thousands of years, that he has broken the seal and, and said, no, I will no longer restrain it. And the fruit, the bitter fruit of all our sin is unleashed. So it's not really, I don't think, a famine uh, caused by the lack of rain or caused by something that God did. Exact opposite. I think this is what I call an economically driven famine, like I touched on in session 14. For some reason, their food is available. You know, there's wheat bread, there's loaves of barley. 
there's olive oil and wine, but it is so expensive that people, the average person, can't afford it. I mean, it says it's a day's pay uh, for just a loaf of bread. So it's, uh, you know, prices have inflated hugely at this time, and it, the food is available, just not for those unless they can pay a real high price. Now, what would cause this? Well, I think it's, it's caused by hoarding. I think maybe uh, with the rise of the, the world government, the elites, the people who have all the riches and power will start hoarding a lot of goods. And that may hurt the normal person trying to buy their food and things they need. We've seen this with COVID-19, didn't we? All the toilet paper, and like I said, sometimes some places meat and milk, you couldn't find some of these things. And this was from hoarding. Or it could be trade wars or the interruption of normal trade routes because of the formation of the world government or because the red horsemen uh, and that civil war, if that happens, uh, like Daniel talked about between the 10 King Alliance, then the, maybe that breaks down some of the trade. But whatever it is, I don't think it's because God is doing anything like withholding the rain. No, I believe this is mankind, once again, the end results of our sin, mankind preying on mankind, jacking up the prices, and the average person can't afford the food. And I think it's probably due to hoarding from those who are in power, the kings of the 10 king alliance. So the black horse famine. Let's go on to the last horseman of the apocalypse, the fourth horse, the pale green horse, death. And you remember we talked about this when we gave you the overview, and we went into a lot of detail over it. So I'm not going to go into a lot as, as much detail as I did in session 14. I encourage you, if you've not seen that, go to session 14 and listen to that or watch it again on YouTube, and it talks in more detail about this. But again, the pale green horse, this color, like we talked about, is representative of death. It is trying to give the, it's the same word that's used by a lot of uh, Greek writers and in the scripture talking about that, that pale, uh, dead, almost greenish tinge look that dead bodies have. That's what it's talking about. Now let's read about this pale green horse and its rider death, starting in verse 7. Revelation chapter 6, starting in verse 7. And when the Lamb broke the fourth seal, I heard the fourth living being say, Come. And I looked up and saw a horse whose color was pale green like a corpse. And death was the name of its rider, who was followed around by the grave. They were given authority over one-fourth of the earth to kill with the sword and famine and disease, and wild animals. So, the pale green horse is death. And remember, I said this is a prophetic sign. This is a prophetic sign. This is one of the ones that you will know for sure when it happens. It is very clear and has a very specific sign in it. 25% of the world's population dying by these four things, uh, sword, famine, death, and depending on how you interpret it, or disease and beastly earth. 
or disease from the beasts of the earth. So this is how 25% of the world's population will die. Now, are we seeing that today? Are there any indications of that today? Well, again, everyone's talking about COVID. But remember, the Spanish flu happened a little over 100 years ago, and it wasn't the end yet. And so we were used to these viruses and these plagues coming. The plague of the Black Death in Europe, that wasn't the end yet. So these plagues have come and gone, and there will be more that come. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's the fulfillment of this fourth rider. When this fourth rider comes out, when the fourth seal is cracked and the fourth rider uh, hoof beats are heard in our existence, we will know for sure because it is clear it will be so severe that 25% of the world's population will die from people uh, killing each other and slaying each other, from famine and from some type of death or disease connected to the beasts of the earth, the animal kingdom. So it's probably some kind of pestilence. So when you see 25% of the world's population, and now, you know, I looked at the latest estimates of the world's population, it's like seven and a half billion to seven and three quarters billion. So you're looking at, you know, uh, one and a half to one and three quarter billion people, you know, one fourth of the earth's population dying from these three things. Open bloodshed, this, this preying on each other, uh, maybe some wars, but also the, the famine and this death by animals, this plague, this pestilence from the animals. And that's the sign. And when you see 25% of the world's population fall to this, you'll know that that's the fulfillment of this prophetic sign. And that's given to the people, the Christians, so that they will know what's going to happen next. And then what happens next is the fifth seal, martyrdom. Now, let's talk about this. Is this something new? And what is, how does this connect to the other horsemen? Well, let me explain why, again, I think this is all connected and why they're all four of the first seals are, are called horsemen of the apocalypse, while they all ride out on horses. You see, the globalists never, never let a disaster or a crisis happened that they don't try and take advantage of it and push for the world government. And if something like this happens worldwide, it will give a lot of push to form a one world government. You say, oh, Todd, you're being ridiculous. Uh, it's not happening with COVID. It didn't happen with the Spanish flu. There's no one world government. You're being ridiculous. Well, Emma, let's look at some warning indications, some seeds that I think are beginning to sprout. There is an organization called the World Government Summit. The World Government Summit. It meets regularly to plan on how to uh, build alliances, and I think to eventually set the stage for the one world government. In February of 2018, I mean, listen to this, these dates, they're very important. In February of 2018, 
the Director General of WHO, the World Health Organization, the Director General of WHO spoke at the World Government Summit in February of 2018 and spoke of the dangers of future plagues. Exactly right. And how they were are on the horizon and how it's something to be uh, looked at and something to be prepared for. And again, it was emphasizing the need at this World Government Summit to start forming the basis of a world government to handle these crises. That was in February of 2018. Now, uh, the first reports of the virus in China that came became later known as COVID-19 started in late December, almost at the beginning of 2020, late December 2019. You know, right there around Christmas time and after is when the first reports came out to uh, the Western uh, civilizations because they were China was keeping it quiet. So. Uh, in 2020, it, we have the new year and what happens right at the beginning of 2020, this, this plague called COVID-19 starts spreading across the world. Now, in June 22nd of this year, June 22nd, 2020, the Director General of WHO, uh, the World Health Organization, the Director General spoke again at the World Government Summit. Again, they met again. You know, they meet regularly. He speaks again. Uh, basically two years later, and talks about how it is vital that we start building a global cooperation and world alliances or governments due to COVID-19, and that we need to start preparing for a world government when a really bad uh, plague hits humanity. Now, I'm not a conspiracy nut, and I'm not trying to say this is a conspiracy. Uh, I'm not saying anything, un anybody purposely unleashed COVID-19. I'm not saying that. Viruses come and historically and it'll happen again, uh, just naturally. What I am saying, though, is the world is being set and the enemy is already setting the stage for us to fulfill a lot of these prophecies that Jesus gave to the Apostle John in the book of Revelation. And the enemy knows the sin is running rampant. And I believe the enemy is, is beginning to feel that these restraints might be removed by Jesus. I think the enemy, in a sense, is trying to fight against these restraints. He always has. But he won't be successful until Jesus allows it, our sin, to run its course. And when Jesus cracks those seals open and the four horsemen of the apocalypse ride out, They'll be connected. And think about it. If you start having a one world government start forming politically, and you maybe have open bloodshed, people preying on people, and then a famine, and then this plague that 25% of the world's population dies from, and all of it added together with the famine and the bloodshed and the plague, 25% of the world's population dies, there's going to be a huge push to form a one world government just to be able to survive what's going on. So that's why I think they're all horsemen. I do believe they're connected. Now you may ask, Todd, why are you always so filled with bad news? Why can't you do a Bible study that makes me feel good? 
I don't want to hear about what may happen in the last days of the church. I'm scared. I don't want this to happen. Brother, sister, I understand. I, I am there with you. You know, I pray for peace, just like Jesus told us to. I pray that we won't have to face these days. But the fact of the matter is, our sins are building up to the point where I think they're near the breaking point. And I believe Jesus will soon step out of the way as the restrainer, and the results of our sin will come out. And ultimately, it's so that it's kind of like God's grace. This happens ultimately so that people will get so sick of their sin, they'll turn to him and be saved and be taken with him when he returns with the rapture. So when we go through bad times in this world, always understand that God is in control, but there's a reason. And I think the reason always goes back to his love. And sometimes when people get so sick of their sin, that's, and only then, is the time that they turn to Christ to be saved. So I think it's a wrong response to ignore this teaching, just because it may be frightening you a little bit, just because it may be scary. We as Christians need to quit putting our head in the sand. We need to look at these truths because the Holy Spirit is beginning to reveal these truths. The veil is being lifted high enough to a point, just like that curtain at a school play we talked about, the veil is being lifted to the point where we can understand more than ever before what these prophecies mean. And I think we need to understand that and not look away, not hide our head in the sands, but study these and understand. Because you see, Jesus gave these prophecies to the Apostle John and subsequently to us because they're recorded in Holy Scripture. He gave them to us so that we, the bride of Christ, will prepare for these times and make ourselves ready as a pure bride for the return of Christ. That's why he has these prophecies. And so that now that we're beginning to understand them, don't turn away and hide your head in the sand out of fear. Prepare and make yourself ready for his return. Habakkuk, a prophet, they wrote a book in the Old Testament, Habakkuk, chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. It's actually the last verses of his book. Habakkuk 3, verses 17 through 19 has an interesting thing to say about this. And I think it's very beneficial for us to reflect on what he writes. He wrote this in, in relation to a prophecy that God had given him about Babylon fixing to invade Judah for Judah's sins. And Habakkuk didn't want to hear the bad news either. He says, no, why? Why are you allowing this to happen? Uh, sure, we've sinned, but they're even worse. You know, and God told him, Habakkuk, you write this vision on tablets so that the one who reads it can run. In other words, don't hide your head in the sand, Habakkuk. Get the message out so people can prepare. And I think that's what why the Holy Spirit is allowing us as a church and us as believers throughout the world to understand more and more revelation now than ever in our history as the church. We're understanding it now because he's lifting the veil enough to where we can see what's happening. Now, I'm going to read this closing verses of Habakkuk, verse 17. 
even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vine, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and cattle and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He will make me as sure-footed as a deer and bring me safely over the mountains. Wow, that's beautiful, isn't it? You know, no matter how bad it gets, we can rejoice because God is still in control. And he will be our strength and he will make us sure-footed as deer and take us safely over the mountains, these, these huge mountains that are troubling us so. He'll get us over them. Never forget that. Bad times come and go, but no matter what, our King, our Lord Jesus is always in control, and He promised He will never leave us during dark times. He will walk with us. He will encourage us. He will strengthen us. He will comfort us, just like Habakkuk said. Never forget and when you see these seals beginning to crack, and if you start hearing the hoofbeats of the four horsemen of the apocalypse, don't fear. Turn to the Lord and let him strengthen you. Let him sustain you. And look forward to his return. That is the proper response for Christians and these prophecies. So until next time, brothers and sisters, pray and keep your eyes to the sky looking for these signs and read your Bible. Thank you for listening to Todd Talks Bible, sponsored by Church Discipleship Ministries. For more information, please visit churchdiscipleshipministries.com or check today's show notes for the link. Our teachings are also available on YouTube. Simply search for Todd Talks Bible. I'm Brian Race, encouraging you to subscribe to this podcast so you'll never miss an episode. Also consider sharing this timely teaching with someone you believe needs to hear it. Until next time, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.